Uh, a reading from Timothy. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also denies us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. The word of the Lord. Luke 10, 38 through 42. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into, their, into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let's pray together. Almighty Father, as we come now to your word, we ask uh, for your Holy Spirit to speak to us and to speak through us, um, and that you will address uh, the, the things that you need to ad address in us. You know us better than we know ourselves. And in particular, Lord, will you uh, instill in us those things, those graces, those mercies that will enable us to uh, walk with you, uh, not just today, not just tomorrow, but uh, right to the end of our life and then throughout all eternity. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, please uh, keep the uh, second Timothy reading, that, uh, that first reading in front of you. Um, we're walking through this uh, letter of Paul to Timothy, and each week we're asking basically the same question. Here's the question. How can Emmanuel Church be, uh, have a long-term impact? Uh, how can we as a church have a long-term impact? How can we as individuals have a long-term impact? What can we do now so that uh, we have a positive impact for Christ that lasts beyond our lifetime? So if uh, this morning we've been focused on baptism, the, be the mark of the beginning of the Christian life, we were already saying that baptism includes, signifies grace, that it takes an eternity to fully pour out and to fully enjoy and experience. And so the question for us is, how do we as a church exhibit that long-term impact? And here's what um, our passage teaches us today. If you want to have a long-term impact... We have to endure. We have to persevere. We have to keep following Jesus and not give up. Or put differently, 
we need to leave a legacy of faithfulness behind us. Let me say that differently. Um, what I, part of what this passage wants to impress upon us is the infinite value and this infinite importance of a lifelong faithfulness to Christ. Um, it takes endurance to be a Christian. Now, my guess is that as I say that, few of us will, will uh, immediately stand up and say, oh, that sounds ridiculous. It, it takes endurance to be a Christian? You know, that's silly. Um, for a lot of us, that'll sound reasonably obvious, does it? However, um, I've been a Christian for a little while. Some of you have been Christians for a little while. I've been a pastor for a little while. One of the things that's very, very clear is that if you're a Christian, there will come times when you will slam up against the wall in life. And in those moments, there will come times where faithfulness to Jesus Christ will no longer be obvious. And it happens different ways to different people. Um, sometimes it's just um, good old-fashioned suffering. Life kicks you in the face sometimes. Does it not? Uh, maybe it's that um, uh, life kind of goes sideways in one way or another, and it goes sideways in such a way that, that, that those things in your life that you hold on to and that tell you that everything is okay, those things become under undermined. And then you find yourself uh, looking at God and saying, what have you done? You're a terrible disappointment. Or it might be something totally different. It might be that you're, to some extent, shamed. You feel shame uh, for following Jesus that comes from people around you. And so there's always a temptation to kind of deal with that shame by just editing your, um, your devotion to Christ just enough so that it's respectable to the people around you. And, it, and so it releases that discomfort. Um, it can happen different ways. It, sometimes you're just getting stressful. Life's hard sometimes. And when stress levels go high, very often we want to become very, very pragmatic. We want something that's going to help me in this moment. And if Jesus does not seem immediately helpful, sometimes we'll run to other things that seem more helpful, more pragmatic. It can happen a lot, in a lot of different ways. But for all of us, there will come a time when we will be tempted to hold back off following Jesus fully. And the reason I'm saying all this is that um, how we deal with that moment when it comes, it's coming. If it hasn't already, it will. How we deal with that moment will have eternal consequences for ourselves, for others. And so today, Emmanuel... The Bible calls us to a lifelong endurance. A lifelong endurance following hard after Christ. How do we do that? Let me show you three things. Um, if you want to endure long as a follower of Jesus, if you want to leave behind yourself a legacy of faithfulness, three things. First, remember God's faithfulness in the past. Secondly, recognize God's faithfulness in the present. And thirdly, anticipate God's faithfulness in the future. First of all, look at God's faithfulness in the past. Look at verse 8. Um, Paul writes, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached by my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. 
Now, remember the context here. This is the Apostle Paul talking to a pastor called Timothy. And I take it that both of them were in that moment where it seemed like following Jesus was a bad idea. So um, Paul is in prison uh, under Nero waiting to be executed. So that's bad. I mean, just put yourself in the context for a second, right? Uh, following Jesus got him there. He could have been freed in a moment had he renounced Christ. Timothy, the recipient of this letter, is not in prison, but everyone around him, it seems, his colleagues have jettisoned Jesus, and so Timothy feels like the last man standing, and all the societal trends are moving, seem to be moving away from Jesus Christ, and here he is. What is he going to do? This is a moment where faithfulness to Christ seems futile. So what happens? Well, Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, Timothy, remember. He says, remember Jesus Christ. Memory is the key to faithfulness. Why is memory the key to faithfulness? Well, think about Jesus' life. In your memory, go back to Jesus. Um, Jesus' life, Jesus goes all around Palestine, uh, doing good, healing people, teaching people. And as Jesus does his ministry, everybody, everybody begins to look at him and say, hey, maybe this is the Messiah. Maybe this is God's king who's going to make everything right. Because ancient Israel was always looking for another David. They were looking for a descendant of David. Somebody who would come, be the king, uh, defeat God's enemies, and liberate God's people. And Jesus, as they looked at him, just looked like a great candidate. But then it all went sideways because he got arrested and condemned and killed. Now, here's the question. What is the meaning of Jesus' suffering? And a lot of us will immediately go to a whole bunch of right answers. But think with me. Was God faithful to Jesus when he was suffering? Because it sort of looks like Jesus is, or God is not being faithful to Jesus. Can you see that? Um, here is, you, you remember Jesus on the cross? He cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which means many deep and wonderful things, but it's very intense. And then, moments later, Jesus dies. The question is, is God faithful to Jesus? And was there any benefit in Jesus' faithfulness to God? And, of course, all the disciples that are watching think that this is empirical evidence of failure. God has failed. Jesus has failed. Somebody's failed. In that moment, it looked like God was unfaithful to Jesus or Jesus was silly in being faithful to God. But then, of course, Sunday came. And nobody expected Jesus to rise from the dead. That's okay. He did it anyway. And in Jesus' resurrection, this is what you have to see, Jesus' resurrection completely transformed the meaning of his previous suffering. God raised Jesus from the dead, and that resurrection, which nobody was anticipating, that resurrection meant that Jesus had, in fact, done everything that everybody had hoped the Messiah would do and more. Jesus had defeated on the cross the enemies of God and the enemies of God's people. Not so much the political enemies, which is what they expected, but rather the bigger enemies that can finally totally destroy us forever. Enemies 
like death and evil and Satan and the selfish, selfish orientation of our hearts, sin. See, Jesus' death was not a failure. It wasn't a failure for Jesus. It wasn't a failure of God's faithfulness. It was a victory. And it was God's plan for defeating evil and giving Jesus eternal glory. That was the plan. Now, keep that in mind and slow down and come back to the text. Why does Paul want Timothy, in the midst of difficulty, to remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead? First reason. Jesus' death and resurrection proves that God is faithful even when it doesn't immediately appear like it. God was faithful to Jesus. Catch this. Not despite the suffering, but in and through the suffering. So that Jesus' suffering was actually part of God being faithful to him. And if God was faithful to Jesus in the midst of that suffering, then that has implications for Timothy. It means that Timothy can be confident that God will be faithful to him come what may. But then there's a second reason why Timothy must remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. And here it is. Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection prove that Jesus is somebody Timothy can trust. Uh, I've said this before. Um, if you want to know who you can really trust in life, Look for people who are willing to suffer with you or for you selflessly. Those are the people you can trust. And when you look at Jesus Christ, you're looking at a God, not only the God who created all things, wonderful as that is, and not only a God who says, I love you, wonderful as that is, you are looking at a God who willingly, sacrificially, selflessly gave all that he is to, to you and for you when he died upon the cross. And the more Timothy remembers that, the more he remembers Jesus giving all that he is to him, the more it'll make sense for Timothy to respond by giving all that Timothy is to Christ and walking faithfully with him. What I'm trying to say is this. Timothy's trust in Jesus moment by moment and breath by breath, is going to increase as a function of him looking at Jesus' death and resurrection. That's true for you, by the way. The further we are from Jesus' death and resurrection, the more abstract it is, the more it's just kind of theory, the more it's kind of vague, the more it's fundamentally forgotten, the lower our trust level is going to go in Christ. And on the other hand, the more Jesus Christ is before us at all times the more it'll make sense for us to give all that we are to him, even when it's terribly difficult. Okay, the first point is, if you want to endure long as a following Jesus, then remember God's past faithfulness, particularly in Jesus' death and resurrection. Second point. The second way we endure long is to recognize God's present faithfulness to us. We've already almost started talking about this. Look at verse 8 again. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached by my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound, he says defiantly. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. 
one of the things that's striking there is Paul, here's, you know, the guy's in prison. He's going to die now, or tomorrow, or whenever it is. Um, and yet he's confident in God's present faithfulness. He says, I'm in chains, but that doesn't mean that the word of God is in chains. Oh no, God's word is going further, forward. Now, to understand this, go back again to Jesus and his death and resurrection. Let me ask a different question. Was God's plan thwarted by Jesus' suffering? I mean, he could have converted a lot more people had he had a couple more years, right? More sermons? I'd like to read them. No, God's plan was not thwarted. God's plan was moving forward precisely when it looked like to the disciples that God's plan was completely ruined. Now, that's part of Paul's fundamental frame of reference. Paul has that in mind, and he's applying that to his present situation, his present imprisonment. Is God's plan being thwarted by Paul being in prison? Is it all falling to pieces? Paul thinks about Jesus, and he says, of course it's not. I may not be free to go out and proclaim the gospel, but I know that somehow, through my suffering, God's plan will not be thwarted, but somehow, in fact, God will redeem my suffering and use it so that other people can come to know Christ and be strengthened in him. Which is a phenomenal thing to say. Paul looks back to God's faithfulness and he applies it to his present situation. Now, let's bring that to us. Because there will become times for all of us where it's tempting to say, to look at our present circumstances, particularly when we're feeling the sting of it, and to conclude that God cannot be trusted, not now. Or God is clearly not faithful to me, maybe to you, maybe to others, but not to me. Or God's fine, but he's just not relevant to my present situation. And I know we never say it that way. But learn to discern that whisper in your heart. Because that is the most vulnerable moment. That's when we're vulnerable to just step back from Jesus from following him fully. And I want to say, Emmanuel, guard against that, okay? Now. Settle in your mind now that God is faithful even when you can't see it. Settle in your mind now, when you can see it, that God is faithful. And when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and friends, we will. You follower of Jesus, you will. But when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when we keep in mind God's faithfulness, that's when we will feel, fear no evil because we'll know that the Lord is with us even though in the, in the critical moment we can't quite see it. But we'll be able to see Jesus looking back. And we'll be able to apply that to the present. Do you remember the third verse of Amazing Grace? Everybody knows the first verse. But go to the third verse. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. It was grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. And part of the reason this is important is, friends, that there is nothing more beautiful than a saint 
a follower of Jesus who has followed Christ through both the valleys and the mountains for a lifetime. There's nothing more beautiful than that except for Jesus Christ himself. And the reason I say that boldly is this, because when you walk with Christ through the valleys and through the mountains and you're able to look back over the long terrain of your life and you're able to say Jesus Christ was faithful through it all, in that moment you are reflecting Christ's own beauty. Christ is the most beautiful creature ever because he is God himself. And when you walk with him through pain and difficulty and joy and you look and you see the fullness of his faithfulness to you, that's when you, everybody else will look at you and see something of Christ and you're reflecting the glory of God. And that will be your greatest gift to everyone around you. Paul says he suffers for the sake of other Christians, the elect. He was an apostle, so there was a unique aspect to that. But there's something similar for all of us. Walk faithfully with Christ through it all, and many will see Jesus in you. It's your best gift you will ever give to anyone in your life. Remember God's faithfulness in the past in Christ recognize God's present faithfulness to you even when you can't see it and thirdly anticipate God's faithfulness in the future verse 11 the saying is trustworthy for if we died with him we will also live with him if we endure we will also reign with him if we deny him he will deny us if we are faithless he remains faithful um, <clears throat> note the verb tense. Um, always pay attention to the verb tenses, okay? Do you notice the shift to the future? We will, we will, he will. Um, what Paul's doing is he's sitting there in prison and he's looking into the future. And he quotes um, what was apparently an early Christian song. So when you're out there humming the songs that we sing here, magnify the Lord with me, that, that's what Paul was doing. Maybe he was tapping his foot. I don't know. And it's a great song. It's a, it's a wonderfully encouraging song. We'll get to that in a second. But it's also a scary song. Does it scare you? Did you see the scary bit? Look at it. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Now, I'm tempted to take an end run around this. Um, but let's not. Paul's telling us that um, if, if you're a Christian and... and and then you reject Jesus uh, and do not repent of that, then Christ will reject us forever. Ratify that decision, so to speak. And it's super heavy because it implies a doctrine of hell. And it's not unique to Paul. Jesus says uh, almost exactly the same thing in his own teaching and says it more robustly. And I can imagine somebody, because there's a part of my soul heart that wants to do the same thing, I can imagine somebody saying, coming back and saying, wait a minute, you've been talking about how God's going to be faithful to the end and rah di rah rah even when we can't see it yet. Are you now saying that there's a limit to God's faithfulness? He'll be faithful up until a point, but then, then, okay, bridge too far. And the answer is no. Let me try to say this as clearly as I can. This is actually an expression of God's faithfulness, not a limit on it. Think with me. 
Through Christ, God promised to defeat the big enemies, the ones that can destroy us forever. Uh, death, the selfish orientation of our hearts, sin, the devil. Jesus defeated them all at the cross. When Jesus died, they were rejected by God and given the destiny of hell. Complete eternal destruction. But here's the thing. If I then reject Jesus and say, clearly there's better paths, Jesus, then what I'm doing is I'm, so to speak, divorcing Christ, uh, and I'm making an alliance with these big enemies, death, sin, the devil, so forth. And if I make an alliance with these enemies of God, then it is part of God's faithfulness to his promise to defeat those enemies to make sure... to to allow us to share that destiny. And it's a very sobering thing. And it, what it means is that faithfulness to Christ matters forever. But then there's another happier part of this verse. Look again. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Look at that live word and reign word. Do you see that there? What that, say, what that is saying is the opposite is true as well. If we endure with Christ, we will share Christ's destiny. Or maybe put differently, Jesus shares his rewards with us. What reward did Jesus give for his death and resurrection, or for his death? He gained, he was faithful to God, he was perfectly obedient. He gained his reward, resurrection, and eternal life. What this is saying is, walk faithfully with Jesus, and he will take that reward and give it to you. Resurrection, eternal life. What else did Jesus gain? After Jesus' resurrection, God made him Lord of all, sovereign of the universe, king. Jesus is saying here, or the Bible is saying here, that Jesus shares in some way I don't completely understand, he shares his kingship with us, his lordship and his sovereignty with us, so that we will somehow share in his authority and reign for forever. And part of what's happening here is that the future faithfulness of God, on the one hand, warns us and says, what we, the decisions we make in this life really, really matter. Don't imagine they don't. But on the other hand, future faithfulness of God allures us and entices us and beckons us with gift after gift after gift so that Christian, you, do you, have you forgotten? Christian, you have a generous father. Those of us who are tempted to deny Christ and to give up on it, have you forgotten the generosity of your father? He was faithful to Jesus right into death and he is faithful to you now even if you can't see it. And he will be faithful to you in the end. And if you let him hold you, then there will come a day when you will see all of his faithfulness all out before you. And you will see the highs and the lows of your life. And then you will see, like, 
like a mountain range where you see range after range of valley and mountain. And it will go out before, beyond you. And you will see his faithfulness in other people's lives. And in the life of the church. And in the life of all of history. And it will all be out before you. And you will look at it all. And you will say, Jesus Christ is the Lord of all. He is everything to me. Everything was worth it. And not one of his promises failed. And that will fuel your joy for all eternity. Do not exchange that eternal glory for a moment now. So Emmanuel, long-term impact. Do not believe the lie that God cannot be trusted. It's the hiss of the serpent. God's promise is true in the past, in the present, in the future. And when you can't see it, fall down at the foot of the cross. Look at God suffering for you. And he will walk with you faithfully to the end. You can trust him. Trust him. Amen. Hello, everyone. My name is Jim Saladin. I'm the rector here at Emmanuel Anglican Church. Uh, our church exists to see and describe and reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ for the flourishing of our city. And I hope this podcast encouraged you in that way towards Christ. If you're here in New York City, we'd love to see you. Please join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Generosity drives everything we do at Emmanuel. And if you'd like to contribute, please visit www.emmanuelanglicannyc.com slash give.